your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. Everton are now second in the table after a 1-0 Boxing Day victory against Sheffield United, who are absolutely dire and a arguably the third worst side in top flight history after only Burnley in 1889, 1890, and Bolton in 1902-1903 failed to win a match before Christmas. Sheffield United join that elite contingent. They had also lost eight straight before drawing their prior match. Um, and they drew with Brighton after John Lundstrom, former Everton player, took a red in the 40th. They lost to Everton today. Chris Wilder, after breaking onto the scene in such really impressive fashion last year, leading Sheffield above almost everyone's expectations, they are doing the polar opposite this season and sit bottom of the Premier League by some distance. It's tough, man. It's a competitive league. I almost feel bad. Almost. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> no, okay. I have a little sympathy from them. Uh, yeah. It's also worth noting, too, Dominic Calvert-Lewin returns to his youth club. If people remember, this was when we had a separate transfer kitty for the U23 team, which is definitely how you want to operate in a modern football club, right? Yeah, so in the summer of 2016, <laughs> I think Dom went for like 1.5 million pounds. And uh, yeah, that actually happened. And kudos to Marcel Brands for insisting to Marco Silva that he stick around. And maybe not his best match today, but he's been a difference maker this year. Boy, they'd look a lot better with him up top, right? They certainly would. And I thought that today's match overall, just for instant reaction i felt like it was it was ugly for for a long stretch but given the personnel we had available you have to give carlo ancelotti a tremendous amount of credit for getting the tune that he did out of the players available at his disposal this was one that was primed primed and marked on many evertonians calendars as the perfect chance to do what we historically do drop points in matches we should easily win and the players never really looked like they were going to accept a loss tonight i thought they looked composed um, for the most part, and they were able to ultimately find the, the clinicalness from Gilfie Sigurdsson at the right moment and kill the game off after that point. So you can't complain with second in the table. You can't complain with a Boxing Day victory, even if it was a little ugly at times. So I am over the moon and excited to get into this match in more detail, Ryan. How about you? I'm fired up, and again, it may be the monster that I basically just chugged before I went <laughs> on here. Okay, that's a lie. I'm still drinking it now. Uh yeah, I mean, this is one where you thought mathematically, and this goes back to the analyst in me, it's more important to take the three points when you can get them versus fighting out draws against the top tier. You know what I mean? And you look at our list of injuries, and my goodness, they're so long. We're missing so many attacking players, you know? And we're missing our guys that can help us control the midfield. So you're praying to come out of this thing with three points. I wasn't overly optimistic, but, you know, this is one of those matches where you got to take three points out of it, even though you're shorthanded. And we've got a really tough match coming up against Man City, but this is way more important to me. So taking three points from this, when Gilfie banged that sucker in in the 80th, I, I absolutely went crazy. I think I scared the daylights out of the rest of the members of the household. But yeah, this is it, you know, and um, not surprisingly, I think a lot of people felt the same way, thought, you know, one nil 
one nil eking out a win might be the way to go. Sheffield's a little better, I think, than that record indicates. That is a really yeah. dire record. And as a result, we had a bunch of people on the Discord server actually get the score correct. Yeah, I think this might be an all-time record correct number of score predictions in the Discord. If you haven't joined already, obligatory plug right now, invite.gg slash ATP. Come join us on the Discord. But the score prediction's correct today. OGS or OG Shill, Stockhausen, Cam Lizza, James Harper, our esteemed producer, and DBL08 all predicted a correct 1-0 victory. Some had incorrect predictions as far as who scored, but it's all about the actual score prediction itself. So tip of the cap to all five of you for getting that correct. And now over to Ryan to get into Everton's lineup. You watch James edit it out, so he's the only <laughs> one that actually got it. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty classic, actually. If you could pull that out. James, we love you, buddy. Thank you. Um, so the lineup was I, I thought we might see a little more heavy rotation. I, I'm happy we didn't. But there were a couple guys in there that were interesting. But look, I mean, Richarlison's out with a concussion. And let me tell you what, if anyone has a problem with him sitting out with a concussion, if your goal is to have him so he's non-functional the rest of his life and worthless to us in the future, you should not have a problem with that. That's just so stupid. I can't even tell you. Um, Did you see that from people, Ryan? Because I, I don't know if I saw necessarily saw any of that. I'm sure there may be people out there who, who think that, but I don't think. Yes, I okay. saw a couple. Fair I enough. saw a couple and I'm like, come on, man. Really? I just, you know, concussions are very peculiar. And the one thing you do not want to have happen is have the second concussion. You don't. The brain recovers fine from concussions for the most part yeah. if it gets the time to recover. But if you think about Richarlison's out, and obviously we've not won when he's out. Um, sure. Alon out. Hamez out. Dean out. Uh, Delphin Bameen out, too, which is massive in terms of defensive mid. And, you know, you got, I know going into this one, I was thinking, my God, Awobi, Decore, Dom. I mean, from a fitness standpoint, can they? Can they keep this up? Um, and really, they were right back in there. So the only changes you had really was Pick was in for Olsen. Holgate in for Seamus. Um, and Tom Davies in for Andre. And I think that's probably a bit to do with Andre not performing all that well midweek. And I think Tom has shown a little bit of an ability to play that holding role. We'll get into the tactics in a second. And then Anthony Gordon came in to play for Richarlison, which, you know, let's talk about that for a second because... I've said for a long time, there's no objective evidence that anyone can point to to say that Anthony Gordon is better than Bernard, for example. I thought it would be better to bring him on against tired legs. I thought that would be putting him in to a position to succeed. But if you want to maintain and manage, manage personnel and say, hey, the best player should be out there. I don't think Bernard was super great midweek. So it was interesting to see him come in. I was excited to see it. What were your thoughts initially when you saw that lineup come out? Yeah, I was interested. I think Gordon is the one that immediately grabs the headline, right? It's been so much has been made about his inability to get into the starting lineup after his impressions, positive impressions that he made during Project Restart last season. He finally gets his chance. We're thinking, okay, Sheffield, again, historically bad form. If there is a game to give Gordon a run and where he could theoretically have some impact, this might be one trying to break down a resolute stout team that, that's going to probably be content to sit back and maybe try to hit us on the break or hit us off set pieces, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll talk about his performance, but needless to say, uh, I think those who were touting Anthony Gordon as perhaps the answer to all of our problems on the wing or an a answer to our depth problems or anything like that may have to take a step back and just sort of take an objective look about where the kid's at in his development and, and recognize he's not 
our Messiah. He's not a savior. He's just a kid who had a good run of games last season. And Carlo clearly rates him for the long term. But there's players in the squad that are better than him right now available at that position. And um, I think we kind of saw a little bit of that today. But I was I was excited to see him start. I, I will put it that way because I do think he he's a good player. But when you're going against grown men, I think he got a little uh, little found out today in some aspects. And he's a super talent. I think I get stylistically why you'd think he's kind of compared to Richarlison the way he can kind of cut in on the right side. Yeah. Presumably score. But yeah, I mean, cut him a break. The poor, you know, the poor kid. But I think the future is bright with him. So we'll I'm sure we'll see him sprinkled back in, you know, and, and get his chance. Um, Sheffield, of course, was missing two guys, one due to injury Fleck and, and Lundstrom being out for the red card, former youth player for Everton, but they did come out in their typical kind of 5-3-2, 3-5-2, whatever you want to call it. Wilder as a manager is a real kind of innovation that people talk about is the on-rushing center back. So occasionally mm-hmm. you'll see John Egan is particular good and Jack Robinson rush forward with the ball. We saw it a couple times tonight, but not not too many, uh, not too many times. And, and they've conceded a lot of possession recently. So I I know when you see Tom Davies back there, at least for me, I thought, oh boy, you know, not very responsible defensively. And I get it, but hey, if we're going to have the ball a lot, this would be the type of team that we could get away with him playing in it. So uh, what I saw, at least in our tactical setup, is we were, we were pretty balanced. Um, I saw when we had the ball in possession, Holgate and Godfrey really split very wide, which is interesting. Um, and Tom Davies was running around as a sitting sitting midfielder, and he was absolutely fantastic. We'll get into the individual performances, but he kind of had us running. DeCorey was back and forth. He was not so much sitting as I thought he might be. Mm. Um, and Gilfie kind of started deeper and moved up closer to Dom later. I think in the first half, Dominic Calvert-Lewin got isolated many times. Awobi was higher, but I mean, really, you know, too much reliance again, I think, to him on him uh, in terms of creating. But it wasn't like we fed everything down his side. It was relatively balanced from what I saw. I'm kind of curious your take on it. Yeah, I, I think we did find the balance and the numbers from who scored kind of back that up, showing that we had 36% down the right side, 38% down the left and 26 down the middle. It was a balanced side, but I, I thought that we were a little, maybe a little too reserved, a little too patient in the first half. It ended up being kind of a dull affair as far as stalemate-ish, where we were content to just sort of pass the ball around the back, really try to disrupt Sheffield, get them out of shape. They did a good job retaining their shape and cutting off any significant space down either wing. Anthony Gordon found it really difficult. Alex Iwobi had a couple nice moves, but again, he was getting closed down rather quickly. And as you said, Tom Davies sitting significantly deeper than Decore again in that kind of Allen-ish role, which we had some astute observations from our listeners that we'll get to later on in the show. But he did a really good job of actually making himself available for those passes off of Michael Keane and Yuri Mina um, for the most part and retaining possession and, and not doing too much. He had a couple passes go awry going forward early on, but then he kind of settled in and was able to just play within himself, continue to facilitate and recycle possession. And he got a lot of plaudits today from, from those in the Twitter sphere, myself included. I thought Tom Davies had one of his best games in a long time and, and he worked hard on the defensive side of the ball, which we know Ryan, you and I have talked until we're blue in the face about what a defensive liability Tom Davies is. And he still may very well be that, but today he, he, was kind of the exception. And I thought he got around the pitch, provided that sort of backbone behind Decore, who 
which which afforded him the ability to be a bit of a maniac as he is known to be from time to time. He seemed very poised, relaxed, even yes. defensively in stark contrast to Andre Gomes last match. Uh, he was scanning a lot. He was looking around. He seemed comfortable getting back in position rather than recklessly running out at people. So maybe there is some hope for Tom in that role for sure with possession. He looked great. And again, we had a lot of the ball. I think we finished it upper 50s at times i think it got all the way up to 63 64%. Yeah, he was great. He was like almost Jorginho-ish, you know, in a mm. way. In a way, a little bit kind of dictating. Not not quite as aggressively, but again, not much happened really. We didn't create too much early. Uh, and that's what happens sometimes when you're playing people that haven't played together all that much. And and let's be honest, I mean, we weren't playing on rushing fullbacks. We're going to come flying out at them. And Carlos' goal right now is to keep the clean sheet. And I get a little bit part of that. I mean, eventually you've got to get expansive. Maybe Carlos' game plan was to kind of take it in, see if he couldn't sneak a couple out, and then later make some adjustments, which he did. I mean, really... The biggest chance that happened, at least early, was in about the 16th, maybe it was, where McGoldrick was played through in between Godfrey and Michael Keane, uh, ducked in, you know, left-footed shot. I think Pick may have gotten a little piece of it. It was cleared off the goal line, I think. I can't remember if that was Godfrey who did it. He was off sides, uh, so... I don't know why I've seen a lot of stats where that's included in next G counts. And we'll get to that at the end, but ultimately that did disturb me a little bit, because here we are, we're playing four in the back here and you give that much space down that wide channel that you let them play it in. That was disappointing, but really that was it. And then there was of course the Dominic Calvert Lewin chance in the 29th, which, Oh man, I mean, almost a worldly. I mean, if I, I can't whistle, but if I could, I would do like a sigh whistle situation here. It That would have been, I mean, come on. I'll put this West Ham goal off the Michael Keane long ball through where he takes it off of his, oh, that was great. his beautiful first touch and finish. This was kind of similar to that, but this, the softness with which he was able to absorb the ball on his chest and set himself up. I think he probably had another touch there where he didn't need to hit it on the full volley. It ends up being kind of a, a bullet shot that doesn't really have the curve necessary. But he would have scored if he put it on net. I think it was it was well taken. And really the only significant chance that he got because he was feeding off of scraps for almost the entire first half. As we, again, struggled really to find any kind of space on the wings, get any significant shots created. Gilfie Sigurdsson had a really nice kick, free kick a couple minutes later. The where Ramsdale made a complete meal. That <laughs> was a... In the conditions, we haven't even talked about the weather, Ryan. I mean, hard to imagine a worse worst situation besides maybe like a blizzard to be playing football and it looked like a nightmare out there yeah, and it was cool. on on ramsdale ramsdale definitely fumbled it uh players having to get beach towels to dry the ball off but he fumbled it because obviously couldn't get a clean grip on it we almost made them pay but they ended up uh clearing it out keen fouls late and kind of ma makes the ref's decision for him and uh they managed to escape that time uh, and that was yeah really kind of it for the first half as far as major chances, but there were a couple interesting moments still. Yeah. And you saw the windiness, even on the, when Jack Robinson made a mess of the, of the almost goal by Dominic Calvert Lou and Dom was in position there and it was windy and we were playing into it early and you saw a bunch of that. But yeah, I mean, in the 37th, <laughs> there was a couple very entertaining plays there in about two, three minutes span where it looked like we might kind of start to get into the match and really start creating some ch chances our favorite Brazilian, English, Nigerian, Iwobinho, uh, decided to slide in Dominic Calvert-Lewin with a through ball, kicked it back out to Davies, kicked it to 
Alex Awobi and Awobi slalom by like three or four people. I, I, I maybe should have shot that ball. I don't know, but that was definitely entertaining. Uh, helped his dribble stats, I suppose. And good God, and, it did. Yeah, uh, it was awesome. I mean, just to be able to do that two footed though is really impressive. And then about a minute or two later, Anthony Gordon finally got control of the ball. Thank God. Uh, cutting inside, you could see he was a little dangerous, played it out to Gilfie, and Gilfie just didn't quite get his toe around one. He hit it pretty hard, too, in the 39th, just shot wide. Then really nothing was eventful, although I'll tell you what, Sheffield did almost sneak in a tricky goal off a throw-in in the 45th. I mean, this was kind of surprising. I mean, DeCore found him. By the way, how is DeCore everywhere? I mean, he found himself in the box tangled with Burke in like the 45th minute right off that throw-in, and... I mean, I thought Pickford had it covered. He was right on the post. Michael Keane was on the back door, too. So it would have had to been a heck of a finish to do it. But that was a little bit of an eye opener. I, I thought we were settling in at that point. And then things like that can happen. That's the thing about the Premier League. Right. You've got to be concentrating and focused. And I thought Sheffield did a good job of leveraging their their throw-ins, the long throw-in as a team that's not really. I mean, at this point, it's everything bought the kitchen sink and maybe throw the kitchen sink in as well for Sheffield. They have to just figure out how they're going to win games and the long throw in and the wet conditions, you just kind of get it in the mix and hope that that something comes off. And it very nearly did there in their favor, but luckily Everton escape unscathed, get in for halftime and try to readjust and figure out how they're going to go get all three points. I'd be interested to have been a fly on the wall for what Carlo had to say about that first half. Yeah, I mean, you could tell they were coming out in halftime and they did not start, I think, particularly well. And immediately he pulled the trigger on Bernard for Gordon. I, f- I felt like he was on the sideline almost in like the 52nd or 53rd. And mm. bravo, bravo to him. I mean, he knows at this point, he sees how the game is going. He sees how it's unfolding. You know, he's had this in the back of his mind, ready to go. He made the sub and... uh I mean, let's be honest, the game started opening up there a little bit in the second half. It started getting a little sloppier, but there were some genuine moments of quality when Bernard got the ball, the soft first touch, the control. A couple times he made a move, beat a guy. At one point he was absolutely tackled. No foul call whatsoever. I just, I couldn't believe it. That was one I'm like, he he literally tackled him. Like he put his arms around him. I thought it was going to be like. A Magnum TA belly-to-back suplex. There's a reference for you, buddy. That is not written on the sheet, folks. That's right off of my... Could we talk about Tully Blanchard's slingshot suplex, too? (laughs) Uh, No, in all seriousness, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was a really clever play by Bernard. You saw a little bit more of a threat. You just saw a little more composure on the ball. I thought that's what Bernard brought. Um, He was quick to the ball, too. You could tell. Sheffield does not have a tremendous amount of athletes. Sander Berger is out, too. We didn't even mention him. He's very classy on the ball, but he's still another kind of bigger player that's not a phenomenal athlete in the middle. Bernard's quickness, his agility did start to pay off. I felt like there were some moments where we didn't botch it in the open field. You know what I mean? He was instrumental on the goal too, but still, you know, it wasn't great. And then Andre, and then pardon me, the Seamus Holman sub was very interesting. I think because at that point we had what 61.6 possession, right? The percent possession. That was the highest we had since like the 17th minute. I mean, I, I thought that was a clear sign that Carlo wanted to either change the tempo and just be more aggressive. Don't you agree? Yeah. You clear. He clearly wanted to get Mason Holgate, Obviously, on the wing, at right back, rather. Kind of struggled to at least contribute offensively. I thought he was relatively solid, but was a little wasteful in possession. And so bringing on Coleman, a player who can he can then tell, you know, get forward, contribute, link up with Alex Wobie if you can, and, and see what we can do. And I think at that point, it was 
let's take the training wheels off. Let's let's be a little more ambitious and aggressive with how we try to go get a goal. And I think from that point on, as you said, the game had started to open up a little bit. It opened up even more, and there were there were chances to be had. Um, and then I think in the 74th or so, he elects to take off Tom Davies, who at that point, I think we'd all were on the same page that he had had an amazing match or a great match by his standards that so far, but brings on Andre Gomez for the last 15 or so minutes to try to make an impact, see what we can get. And I think it, it really paid off. You could argue Andre, I think he made a solid cameo appearance. Um, but of course, just a f- six or so minutes after Andre Gomez is introduced we have Gilfie Sigurdsson with the winner off of a pretty neat little bit of build-up play and uh, not the prettiest goal, but I think we did well to to actually find a scoring opportunity off of off of the play in general. At post-game interview, his quote was, the gaffer just moved me to defensive midfield, so I'm not sure what I was doing in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, it was a great sequence, honestly. The second DeCorey and Awobi started running with the ball, I thought... Yeah. Ooh, we may have something here, you know, because they were starting to get they were starting to get a little more aggressive trying to get that three point on set pieces. And that's one of those things that can cost you. And I, I thought we showed tremendous composure in there. And there was a sequence. I mean, it was five or six really solid touches, maybe more, more like 10. Uh, DeCorey made the right decision to shuttle it back to a and let him carry it. Yeah. I feel like Tom Davies is the one who maybe chipped it up to Dom. Dom laid it off. And the first touch of Bernard was just Superb. Amazing. Superb. DeCorey having the awareness and the composure in the box to box out his player. And Gilfie Sigerson deserves a lot of credit. He was in the right place, but his run was intelligent. And let's look, say what you want about Gilfie. He's not the best possession player. He's not particularly quick, um, but he is technically superb. If you give him a chance to finish, unlike one of his earlier matches this year where he blew a chance like that, actually, this was probably a more difficult finish and make no mistake, man, that was right in the side net, right on the ground. It it was, it was lovely. I, I don't know if it was deserved, but it was a great moment of quality of interplay. It was a great team goal and, Man, I was completely fired up by that. I- I'm sure you were as well. God, these are just those moments that you look back on the league and say, that made a big difference. I mean, that's one to three point two points is a difference is so big. It's so massive. And and you've got to take three points against these guys, even if the weather's crap, even if it's windy, even if they're bunkered in, you know, it was just um to me, it was a pure team goal and and very typical of a team that's showing a lot of character. Did I just say that? And uh <laughs> that's that's gotta be a little bit of Carlo Ancelotti's influence, is it not? It certainly has to be. And I was sitting with my arms crossed, lean back in my chair looking kind of disapprovingly watching the play unfold because it was it, it, as it was getting a little bit better, but it had been relatively dull up until that point. And <laughs> some when head shaking board, <laughs> definitely some head shaking, some, some dejected size thrown in there for good measure, all that stuff. But when Gilfie scored, I like screamed and jumped up and I was so hyped. I think I probably scared my roommates uh, because I had been basically silent. And then you just hear me start yelling and, uh, you know, scoring that late. I think this is maybe the latest winner we've had so far this season. It's we've, we've done a good job of getting on the scoreboard early, but today was the exception. So left it stress, made it stressful, but credit to Gilfie Sigurdsson, a player, not the greatest in possession, but what he can do is he can pop up out of nowhere and score you a goal. At least that's what his uh, Everton career, I think has been kind of 
summarized best by that sort of impact in individual moments rather than maybe uh, leading the line or, or bossing a game. But he did just what he needed to today to get us all three points. And from that point on, I thought we did a, a good job. This is when Sheffield just started to throw everything at us. Uh, to try to get the equalizer, they're just desperate as could be. They We started to be very content with sitting back and trying to absorb that pressure. A couple scary moments. McBurney uh, had a couple, had that header off of the corner really late that I think Mina pretty much had locked down anyway, but a chance nonetheless. And I think they had, what, a, a slew of like three or four corners in a couple minutes that were a little bit nervy. But other than that, again, a, a composed Everton side really showing an intent to kill off a game and, and executing very well. Pick didn't have too much to do. Uh, it was nice to see him respond in non-Merseyside Derbyist fashion, knocking that ball over the bar just to make sure. Uh, but th- Sheffield was dangerous on corners. I was concerned. And we, we made a sub, basically, to bring Seamus on, take Hol- or move Holgate in for Michael Keane. And, and look, you can argue the merits of that whatsoever. In my personal opinion, I think it's very obvious that Michael Keane is not as comfortable playing higher. You know, and he's not, especially with the ball. That's the thing. He's not a bad distributor from deep, but, but carrying the ball up, despite his wonderful shot the other night, it's not really his bread and butter. And he's not good at pressuring. I guess that's really the thing. And the numbers speak to that as well. Yeri is more comfortable carrying the ball. It's probably a little bit better with the ball as well. Uh, the only issue with that is if we score and they throw everything in, we don't necessarily have the size. Andre helps a little bit, but he's not necessarily amazing in the box. It is worth noting, though, and I want to get your take on this, too, because I think we had different opinions on the officiating. In the 93rd minute, Andre, who showed a couple nice dribbling moves, him and Bernard breaking the ball out to deal with pressure, which I really appreciated. Andre came in and basically played the 10 or played, you know, the top two in the 4-4-2, killing the game off showed some ability to carry the ball, get to the ball first. I thought in the 93rd, he was fouled in the box. He was definitely fouled. I don't know how on earth. I know, I know David Coote was not calling a lot to begin with, but I, I'm sorry. And then they showed on replay and he has passed the plane of the 18. He is in the box to me. Uh, he w- didn't just stick his knee out. He then kind of moved into him. That is absolutely a foul. I do not understand what the point of VAR is. If you're, I, I mean, I, I don't get it. It's a foul to me and it's a penalty. I cannot believe it wasn't. And in classic officiating fashion, again, they gave five minutes of additional time, which really they gave five and a half. I, I don't, I don't understand what was going on. I think David Coote did a bad job. He not just went and let a lot play. I think he missed a lot of calls on us. I thought he was very much Dominic Calvert-Lewin several times. They should have called fouls. He called nothing on them. So I I know maybe that's not your take, but I felt like it was very one-sided. Maybe that's a product of us having the ball and he just called nothing. I don't know. I thought he was awful. I thought it was almost amateurish at times. I thought he was missing goal kicks and corner calls. I, I just, that is a penalty to me and I stand by it. That's what I think. Bang. Yeah, I think I'm in the minority here. I will say, first of all, First, to, the headline is, I don't think that David Coote had that bad of a, a match from the official's perspective. I thought he let, basically just said, let him play and let almost everything go. And I think to your point about maybe being one-sided was the fact that we had the ball a lot of the time. And there were a couple that, that there was one early on Calvert-Lewin where he did win the ball and then Calvert-Lewin like goes through his leg after the fact. There were several ones that were on the fence for me, but I could see 
if you're going to just let the guys play, letting those go. I strongly disagree with the call on Andre at the end. I think that was a nailed on foul. Whether or not he was inside or outside of the box, I think is where you go to VAR. I don't think you go to VAR to decide whether it was a foul or not. No, definitely not. Clearly, he goes in. Andre gets the touch by him, bests him. The leg's still in there. And as you said, he moves into it a little bit more. And and Andre goes over, rightfully so. That should have been a foul. And the five minutes of extra time, for what? Maybe because he thought that we were like time-wasting, which I guess it looks like uh, we may have gotten as many as three cards for time-wasting. Dominic Calvert-Lewin had that one early. Really weird for kicking the ball away. And then there was uh, Ben Godfrey as well with kind of a silly one. But overall, I don't think Koo had that bad bad of a match. Sometimes it's, you know, we complain about soft fouls all the time. Sometimes you just got to let some stuff go and let the guys get on with it. There were so many moments when players just looked at him waiting for a call and, and didn't see one go. And, and sometimes I think that's good to keep the, the flow of the game going. And I don't think he ever necessarily like lost control of the players. I don't think it ever got super physical to the point where anyone was at risk of getting injured. And so in my my opinion, I, I just think it was um, it, it kept the flow of the game alive. And, and but it doesn't explain the five minutes of stoppage time. And it doesn't explain the foul on Andre because that's one of the clearest night and day fouls you're ever going to see. I'm not going to blame him for the complete lack of interest in Premier League officials to not giving yellow cards for simulation to. That's another thing. I'm so tired of that. I mean, there was a dive in the box. Oh, yeah. Where no one, t- no one touched. I mean, I just, I can't. And they were yelling. For, it's just unbelievable. There was another one, a handball on a clearance. It was so obvious. I just, anyway, I'm not going to go off on it. I thought he was terrible, but. That one to me was dead red penalty. Yeah. If anything, I mean, dear God, you're going to look to see if it's in the box or not. How do you not call that? I don't know. I, one thing I did find very interesting too, and, and James and I talked a little bit afterwards, after watching that match, we thought, geez, I wonder what kind of the expected goal difference was there. Did we have all the chances? Did we deserve to win? Um, I, we didn't create a ton of chances, but I thought we were far and away the more dangerous side. Most of their stuff came off set pieces. And when you're playing four center backs, you shouldn't fear for that too much and normally we go to info goal they're a little more accurate than like understat or whatnot and and we, i pull up this graphic and it says sheffield united expected goal of 1.17 versus everton 0.56 i found that very curious so we started digging into it and do you know why sure enough it's wrong they gave goldrick 0.46 of a chance of scoring when he was off sides um they gave the header in the 92nd from McBurney, a 19% chance of going in. I understand it was in the sixth and I, you know, I get that. And Burke's shot with no angle was 12%. So that's pretty much it. It just goes to show you that these numbers are very interesting sometimes to look at usually over time. Expected goal has its limitations. It has its usefulness. Let's not go overboard sometime and assuming that means they deserve to win. I thought if anyone deserved to win the match today, it was Everton Football Club, and thank goodness we did. We did in good, in strong fashion, Ryan. And so with that, let's get into the individual player performances as we like to do on this show. And Ryan, your first entry on this list is three players at once. You put Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Alex Awobi, and Abdullah Decore all in the same bunch 
in your note is purely on fitness alone. And I think that is spot on. These guys have played a lot of games. They have run a lot of kilometers or miles, whatever metric for distance you prefer to use. And neither of them, none of the three looked any worse for wear throughout this entire match as a result of it. Guts, man. Guts and hearts. Alex probably showed slow down a little bit, I would yeah. say. I, he was, I mean, he was part of the goal in the 80th, but I mean, you can't you can't keep that up. I mean, he, he had the ball a lot. And I mean, I, I thought he did play well, though, in general. I mean, he had six dribbles. He was dispossessed a lot. I think four times. I think he had maybe three bad touches, which is a lot. But again, you know, he 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 is he's shouldering too much of the burden, I think, of creation on this team right now. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's part of it's the injuries. But kudos for him. He's still delivering. He's still dangerous. Um, and honestly, he is pretty fun to watch. I have to admit, there's some moments. How about the time-wasting moment in the 89th in the corner? Oh, I my mean, God. Amazing. That was unbelievable. Uh, just dancing around with it. Uh, the thing that I like, it's the combination of his size. Uh, his acceleration's pretty good. He's a little bit off balance sometimes, it looks like. And his crosses were actually pretty good, I thought, today, too. I think they had him as two of four, but I, I thought a couple of them were dangerous. He was dangerous, and that's what he is. He's always going to be a little messy, man. That's just kind of how he is. Um, but when he gets into the box, like we said in the past on this show, he does make some things happen. I think he made enough happen today, at least relative to the team. I would say he had a good performance. And I, I think of the other three, I, I'm curious as to what you thought about DeCorey's performance today. He seemed like he was all over the place again. I don't know if the numbers necessarily shook that out, but I would put him on the good list as well. Yeah, I'd put him on the good list. I think he had one key pass, a dribble, three for four long balls, 75-ish percent passing. He was everywhere. And I think a lot of his goodness today can be attributed partially to the support and the synergy he had with Tom Davies providing that kind of backbone, which afforded Ducore the ability to just run rampant. Um, I'd put him in the good category, maybe bordering on okay, um, but there were times when he did drive the ball forward. He got involved in some of the offensive link-up play, facilitating ball movement, all that sort of stuff. A couple sloppy giveaways early with the ball that almost cost us, but overall, I think he's he's firmly in the good camp. The next on the list that I would put up there would be um, as far as talking substitutes, which I think as a whole, you can say Carlo nailed them today all three but bernard for me was the biggest impact and the just maybe the contrast from anthony gordon who definitely struggled to get on the ball bernard seemed to find it very easy to get on the ball and furthermore to to string passes and cut inside at times that was really good to see him kind of move inside and gilfie actually moved out left a couple times um shifting shape and bernard just provided some really clever link up play he looked agile he was not afraid to take players on which i think he probably has been in some previous appearances is just like hesitant and not aggressive. It seemed like he really uh, went out with a point to prove given how relatively poor he was last match. And I think Ben Godfrey probably deserves some lumping in on the fitness as well. I mean, he's not marauding up and down the side, but in this particular match, you saw it a little more often because he knew we were down and and you can only make three subs, but all the subs had an impact. I agree. Bernard was probably the biggest impact. You could argue tactically, maybe Seamus's entry was more impactful from a collective team shape, although he maybe didn't have as much of an individual impact. But I think there's also two guys we really got to talk about when it comes to good performances. Uh, We're talking really good performances my first one was Yeri Mina I didn't want to jinx him throughout after the first half too he was immense he was 
awesome tonight. Uh, I think he was both of our man of the match last match against Manchester United. Although I will say this, Tony Sampson had some serious problem with us suggesting man of the matches and losses. Was it Tony or was it, it may not have been Tony. It may have been uh, someone DC, in the discord. DC. Yeah. It may have been DC yeah. Toffees, right? Um, I think so. Yeah, John. And, uh, but anyway, um, he was awesome. Uh, eight aerials, one, two interceptions, one tackle, one block shot, eight clearances. Wow. He had tw- 94 touches. The most of uh, anyone on the pitch, um, 75 passes, the most, 84% completion rate, only one bad touch, three of five long balls. He has settled in the last couple matches. Even last match, we had maybe the worst opening 20 minutes uh, that I've seen in years. Mino was a rock. He kept us together. Um, I, I thought he was outstanding tonight. He was a complete beast. And you, sh- you saw more of a complete game from him where he can carry the ball forward. A couple times early, he forced some long balls in, which I was a little peeved about it. I don't know what the instructions were. Maybe those were the instructions. Um, but yeah, I just thought he was immense and and I'd be remiss too to mention uh, uh, Tom Davies I thought was excellent as well. He was, Tom Davies was superb. I agree with you completely on Mina. I think he was getting, well there's this weird narrative about Mina that he's injured all the time and I think that's starting to subside a little bit, but he's been healthy basically all season and he's really settled in alongside Michael Keane or whoever he's playing with and done a tremendous job. His size is such a dangerous proposition to mark on offensive set pieces and is such an asset for us on defensive set pieces. And for a big guy, he's so good on the ball, so much better than Michael Keane, I think. And um, just positionally getting better and better. I think the communication along the back line seems to be getting stronger and stronger. Those bonds between players, they really seem to be meshing well, understanding when to step out, when when guys are going to be covering for them, etc. But then on to Tom Davies. Deserves all the credit today. I mean, this is from Dan McArdle on Twitter. He said, Davies has been watching a lot of Allen film. Great positioning and use of his body to block the ball and hold up. Very encouraging from a player I've never rated. I won't say I've never rated Tom Davies, but he's been one of the players in firmly in the uh, doubtful slash long-term future at Everton in question camp for a while. But today he was useful. And he's, I think Dan's really accurate in that he he had, he did emulate Allen quite a bit tonight where he wasn't getting forward too much. He, he maybe didn't do as much uh, aggressive driving the ball forward, but he protected it. He allowed us to maintain a, a strong foothold in the game and in possession for the time that he was on. And you saw once he went off and Seamus came on and all, all the subs, we, we did start to concede a little bit of possession, but work rate outstanding, looked a little more defensively in his defensive positioning, looked a little more disciplined and just found ways to kind of just link up play and really making safe passes, but safe passes that are effective and not really aimless. Like they tend to be sometimes he looked strong on the ball. That's what yes. I was most impressed with. I mean, there were a couple of times he just flat out held it up uh, and, and they couldn't get to it. And th- Sheffield is not a bunch of small players too. They've got some strength to them. I mean, three dribbles, he was fouled four times. That actually doesn't surprise me at all. Highest passing completion rate on the team at 85.5. That is impressive as much as he was shuttling the ball around. But what was most impressive from Tom Davies today, being the focal point of our attack from the back, how many times is he dispossessed today? Zilch. How many times did he have a bad touch against, according to who scored? Zilch. None. He had a tackle. He had a block shot. But yeah, I mean, look, Tom Davies does well in that deep lying playmaker role he's progressive with his passes he can cut lines he can carry it a bit his issue has always been he is too rash in the tackle and his defensive positioning is terrible because he's lacking awareness but 
kudos to Tom. He he didn't show much of that today. And I, I think if we're playing against a side where we're going to have a lot of the ball, he can be a valuable asset as we saw it tonight. And, and it's so important to get three points against the teams that you need to, especially in a situation now where we have injuries, congested fixtures. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit for the way he played today. Impressive performance from the youngster, and it's been a long time coming. So kudos to him. I'm curious to your opinion on, did you think Gilfie had a great match or not? He scored the goal. He definitely was impactful. You know, so much of his stuff is off set pieces, although ironically today he wasn't great on set pieces. I don't know. I'm kind of curious if you would have put him in the good, the okay. He wasn't bad. Of course not. No, I'd put him in the good, but definitely towards the the bottom. He scored the goal, which was great. I thought he had a, for the most part, an okay impact. Um, some of his, again, receiving the ball and, and being able to turn, I thought was a little bit better last match in the last couple matches. But again, we're talking about a guy who had basically been written off by the vast majority of the fan base. I think you and I included as far as his future at the club, but in the last four games in this run, he's been instrumental in executing and what we're able to do a player Without him, who do we have to take set pieces in? His delivery and the end result hasn't been that great, but he's putting them in there. He he has the technical ability. We, sh- we saw it on the nice touch. One touch, slot at home today. And when he keeps it simple like that, he can be a really impactful player. When And, and furthermore, he just runs. The guy runs. He runs his socks off. He doesn't have the, the, the fastest. Most He's not going to blow by anyone with pace or speed. But he works hard. The team seems to rally around him. Whether or not you feel he's a leader or not because he points too much or whatever, he was there when we needed him today, and I think that that is enough to get all three points. And for that, I will not say anything mean about Gilfie Sigurdsson considering how mean I was to him a couple episodes ago. <laughs> yes, you were. You absolutely were. But look, if we're trying to possess the ball, he's not the best typically. Uh, you know, he's not going to handle the ball under pressure. Um, he had only one bad touch today, and that was partially because Godfrey and Keen were forcing the ball into him with someone on his back. That's not his game. He's not James Rodriguez that way. He's not going to get you into advanced positions. But, but if we're going to sit back and defend, we need a killer ball every now and then, or someone to sneak in and maybe rob a chance. He's okay. I mean, he's a good guy off the bench, and we don't have enough depth as is. Half the team's hurt. Um, it's been nice to see him show up and, and show some positional versatility. Like I said earlier with this quote, he's capable of playing deeper. Should he? No, he should not. Um, and I actually liked him if you stacked with Dom playing almost as a second striker. I think yep. he's more valuable, and we saw that today. So, yeah, I'll throw him in the good. He deserves it. He scored the goal, and it was a clinical finish, and it's it's about time. It was really it was a good moment for him. I'm sure he's over the moon. So thank you, Gilfie, for finally coming through for us, buddy. Um, now, in terms of the OKs, I think there are a bunch of people in here. I even threw uh, a Wobi in there, too. Maybe people thought that was a little harsh only because he didn't keep the ball very well. Again, I'll cut him a break because he's got to have run so much. Yeah. Um, he had some defensive contributions, but he get dispossessed and lose the ball. You know, dispossessions four, three bad touches. I don't know how many giveaways he had. You know, why Scout counts these things differently. It's probably a pretty big number. Um, but look, I mean, he made some good passes. He was dribbling all over the place, and he was danger again, dangerous again. So, uh, but, you know, you don't take care of the ball like that. I, I think he was a little worn out. I'll give him an okay. And I, I think I think Calvert-Loon was another one, too. You know, you got to give these guys credit. It's probably goods just because they worked. Um, but their impact on the pitch maybe wasn't as massive as it has been. Dom, again, a pest in the air. 
Uh, he worked. He worked hard. I thought the referee totally had it out for him. He almost scored that worldly. If he scores that one, he's automatically into good. But he hung in there, and he was valuable for us. And both those guys, I mean, how much do you think these guys have run over the past two, three weeks? It's unbelievable, isn't it? More than I've run. Let's put it that way. Are you sure? Are we sure about that? Comfortably more than I've run. I was sitting on my couch eating food and, and watching soccer. But yeah, they, they've really worked so, so hard. And we can't emphasize that enough because that's really all we ask for at a bare minimum. And they've done it exceptionally the last several matches. Another player who I think falls firmly in the OK camp was Mason Holgate. Ends up staying on the pitch through the substitute, but he's looked comfortable at right back the last few matches today was probably his his worst one of the lot really kind of wasteful in possession in a game and again he's been asked to pretty much just do the defensive dirty work he did that again today but he was a little exposed i think just by the fact that we had more possession he was asked to do a little bit more with the ball at his feet and he kind of struggled to have that kind of offensive impact but his size and his strength i thought he looked incredibly quick uh maybe even quicker than Seamus coleman at times at least early on but a little wasteful in possession and ended up with three tackles, two interceptions, five clearances. So still doing the defensive work, but in a game where you need a little, little bit more balance from your wing backs, I think he kind of left a little to be desired. And then Jordan Pickford didn't have a whole lot to do. I think who scored credits him with one save really wasn't super involved in set pieces, had that one parry over the bar where we know that, those are danger, dangerous spots for Pickford to be in, made the right decision, just was pretty safe, and uh, the distribution was okay, but he's he's a firmly okay overall for me as well today. Yeah, and then I think the rest of the back line, Michael Keane did nothing wrong. He had a decent ball to Dom that almost uh, sprung that goal for him. You know, I, I do want to clarify something, too. When we said earlier in the pod that Mina is maybe better on the ball than Michael Keane. That's not to say that Michael Keane can't distribute and make a killer ball from deep. He he actually is decent at longer passes, springing people. It's just the the possession based, you know, comfortable on the ball type thing and carrying it forward. He he did nothing wrong. The sub made sense though at the time. You got to give him credit. And Ben Godfrey again, he worked really hard. Not massively impactful, though he had a shot and goal, a tackle, a clearance. He was offside once. When was the last time he was offside? I don't know. Yeah, the passing has been a little shoddy for him recently. He's given the ball a little bit. Um, but, you know, the left side wasn't really dangerous um, until Bernard kind of came in there. Uh, I, I really think the only player we could point to and say was bad or off the pace was... And it's harsh to say that was probably Anthony Gordon. I mean, I think he he had something like four bad touches in the first half alone and 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 was dispossessed once, you know, just struggling with it. And the weather was hard and it's you can't be too harsh on the guys. You're a young kid that has some talent, started to grow into the game a little bit, never overly dangerous, did lay one off for Gilfie on that decent shot that he just missed. But he's really the one guy out there that just did not play well at all. Uh, although I threw him right back in against City, by the way. Yeah, I'd keep him on as well. I don't think you want to harm his confidence too much, but there's no denying he's, he struggled to make an impact. Struggled to find space, really, to turn and face his man and go by people. I think he had men on his back a lot of the time. You saw maybe some of his lack of strength exposed, given that he's only 19 years old. So we're not piling on him. We still believe he's one for the future. But today, I think he was probably our worst player in a, in a slew of players, again, who had good and okay performances. So there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I think he still gets a shot against city that will be a vastly different game. So perhaps we'll see a vastly different Anthony Gordon, the same way we saw a dramatically different Bernard performance today. Um, Ryan, any last words on any individual player in the lineup before we move on to listener instant reactions? 
No, I think the listener instant reactions have knocked it out of the park, too. I mean, the first one off the bat, Zach Landy, is perfect. <laughs> very boring, then suddenly very stressful. Now, for me, no Everton match is boring. You know, I'm, I'm into every sure. stupid little touch on the darn thing. But yeah, it was uh, uneventful with a couple moments here or there and suddenly very stressful. Um, and, you know, in terms of individual player performances, just a lot of guts, man. So you can't really be too harsh on any of them. Uh, but I like that line. Uh, Peter Rabbit, 68. Largely dull affair. Yeah, notice a theme there. But we were a lot better after Coleman and Bernard came on. Both were dangerous going forward and created chances. We ground out three points on the road in a game we used to draw or lose up to second up the Toffees. I, I think a lot better with Coleman and Bernard. We, we were a little more dangerous. I think the game just naturally opened up a bit. It was a very good sequence of subs. I don't think we were incredibly dangerous, but it was interesting. Do we think Chris Wilder maybe got a little too aggressive on set pieces going for the win? What do you think? No, I don't think he was. I think you're looking at the plight of Sheffield right now, and they if you're nil-nil going into the last stages of a match, you need you can't be content with a draw at this point, having only two points on the season. You really gotta just go for it. And if you end up losing, well, you lost the rest of them. So what are you going to do? <laughs> you, you, you just can't be complacent with just one point because they really a couple wins and all of a sudden it's a dramatically different picture. A draw doesn't really change things much, much for them. So I think Wilder was right to maybe open up the game a little bit to go forward. But the, it backfired on him, obviously, as we scored. Um, Andy brings up Andy at Andy DBQ, one of our regular contributors, had some good points as well. He said, ugly game, but got three points, missing half of our starters and several of our best players. It hasn't been pretty, but I'm hugely impressed with Carlos coaching and how our guys have battled, even though they're tired and beat up. In the words, Val Davis, just win, baby. Wow, we bring out the Raiders, Raiders <laughs> quotes, right? As a Steeler fan that was alive during the 70s. I don't like that. Um, yeah, I, right. Ugly game, but got three points, man. You could just staple that all over the place. Um, and then Andreas Watt. I don't like the fact that he changed his handle to Andy Watt. That's garbage. Come on, man. What a wild world. Uh, David Coots is worse than Lee Mason. Woo. Disagree. I know you do. We, we went we went off on it already though. So we don't do it <laughs> I know that. the pride of Nottingham. Um, <laughs> his dad was a hell of a cricketer though. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's kind of a joke between me and James researching the poor guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> to finish the quote, we just earned a hard-earned, tired leg, horrible conditions win, which is normally one we slip up in. I should be. Delighted. I am delighted, Andy. Uh, his performance at the end has totally soured that for me. You can't say on air what I want to type. P.S. Davies, thumbs up. Yeah, it's a pen for me. <laughs> when he continues, this is yeah. totally Andy, by the way. I love Andy. Also importantly, Bernard Coleman and Gomes, all good subs today. Bernard instrumental in goal. Coleman, two. Gomes held onto the ball well, offering the needed possession of fresh legs. Required also won a penalty, which Sigurdsson dispatched excellently for 2-0. Oh, wait. Um, yes, that was a mouthful, but there you go, man. We should just open with that. That's basically all I have to say about yeah. it. And then, and then, my brethren, my fellow Yinzer, uh, Yinzer Toffee, Bernard, seemingly the only person with the first touch today. Take as many points as we can and get healthy and at. Okay, he didn't say in at, but that's what Yinzer <laughs> was saying. So, had to add to it. What can I say?
spot on there. And then we have Dr. Defense in the house. He's got a doctorate in defense. and he Defense wins championships. Amen to that. He said nothing spectacular today, but come on. What a campaign so far. Four in a row, parentheses again. This time without arguably our four best players. Defense, which had seemed suspect, has now kept three clean sheets in the past four league games. Room for improvement, yes, but damn, this is fun. Hail Carlo. Couldn't agree more, Dr. Defense. I think this was a, again, can't understate, missing. How many Premier League teams can scrape out a win, missing their four, maybe five best players? We did just that today. It's a huge accomplishment. And then we last, lastly, we have Brian Lancette with a couple comments. He said, Sheffield is not good. Ref was worse. Even as simple. <laughs> and then he said, that being said, thought we played some beautiful football and subs actually looked like Premier League players today. And that's actually a fair point because you can argue when we're bringing Cheng Tosin off the bench, uh, doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence, but the players who came on clearly had a point to prove and they did just that today. How can you take a shot at Cenk? You didn't even play, man. I mean, you feel you. I thought you would feel bad for your guilty trashing the other day. Sorry, no. I, I what I should be doing is talking him up so we get some suitors for him in January for all of the uh, football executives in the Premier League and abroad who listen to the show. Cenk Tosin, elite, buy him uh, fifteen or so mil should be more than enough, and we will snap your hand off. No problem, Hamez, the man of the match for you today. Who we got? I'm going my man TD26, Tom Davies. Despite the fact that he was subbed early, I just thought that he provided that backbone in midfield, that stability that afforded the other guys enough freedom to be able to get around and put themselves about, make an impact. He just sort of was the glue guy today and and did those things. And in the absence of Allen, that can't be understated how important a role and a player like that is. Seems to be learning, seems to be improving, soaking things in and showing a little bit more physicality. He always puts a foot in, but today he also showed that actual strength on the ball. I was really impressed, and I think he deserves the man of the match despite the partial appearance. Ryan, how about you? I'm going to go with Yeri Mina. Uh, Yeri Mina, that's back-to-back man of the match awards from me for Yeri Mina. And again, I'm sure on the Discord server, everyone will accuse me of being being favorites, playing favorites for tall people, but that's not true. Uh, I thought Yeri was immense today. I, I mean, I'm sorry, he won eight aerials and had eight clearances. I mean, are you kidding me? He was an absolute beast. He kept the back line together. It was risky to take Michael Keane out when you knew if we went up, there's going to be all sorts of set pieces flying out at us. There were a lot today. He stood tall and he was excellent recycling the ball in possession and just he, it's, he doesn't run funny. Okay, runs funny, but he's not that <laughs> slow. He's physical. He was a bear today, man. And he took nothing from everyone, even after getting choked, basically, last match. Um, I thought he was the man of the match. Tom Davies was excellent, too, though. That's a, that's a fair choice either way. Um, so, Hamas, any final words we have after their lovely 1-0 victory? We're up to second. We can say that again. Uh, final words. Yeah, I've got a couple little tidbits here. So firstly, this comes from uh, Sean Lent on Twitter. Made the observation last time Everton won four matches in a row, two times. As I say, obviously opening the season, we won four in a row. And now the last four matches. Last time we did that, we won the league. So not saying that Everton are winning. League, oh, we got but it. We're winning the league. Oh, it's over. And we're furthermore, definitely we're definitely winning the league. <laughs> yeah. No one will, maybe people will turn us off at this point. But the second piece of that is looking at Everton, Everton's points tally through 15 matches in the season over the last 10 years. We have officially, as of today, eclipsed 
our highest points total after 15 matches since 2013-2014, that <clears throat> fabled Roberto Martinez season where we had 28 points after 15 games. We just got up to 29, second in the table. Carlo Ancelotti working wonders in just a year. The man's a wizard. The man is magic. Can't say much more than that. I am so beyond thrilled that he is our manager and finding us ways to win games when really we're lacking the personnel to do so. So credit to him, credit to Everton. I am going to be really excited. And I think most importantly, the win today really takes a lot of pressure off for the city match on Monday, where this game's kind of a flyer. I don't think anyone's really expecting a whole lot. So if we manage to pull off a miracle victory, it will be all the sweeter. But if we take a loss, we'll still be very high up, still be competing for those European places. And so it's just absolutely massive. I'm buzzing. I can't wait to just wrap this pod and go celebrate. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm totally pumped up. I agree. Look, the goal to me and the goal that we kind of agreed laid out is shooting for sixth. I mean, really, I think that's a realistic goal, especially with the injuries. Boy, we're doing ourselves some favors. I mean, if you told us, hey, your goal is six this year, you're going to be in second place the day after Christmas, right after Boxing Day. I mean, would we not take that? Of course we would. At least I hope so. If you if you wouldn't, you're just a greedy you-know-what. And yeah, look, the bottom line is we answered the question tonight. Can you do it on a cold and rainy night in Sheffield? There you go. Those are my final words, my friend. Uh, I think that about does it for the American Toffee podcast this week. Thanks for listening as usual. James, you want to send us home? Yes, as usual, everyone, if you are listening and you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review, rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Also, follow us on social media, and uh, you can find those links at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. You'll find Ryan's socials, my socials, the pod socials, and all of the links to the platforms that you can listen to the show. Although if you're listening, you may not need them. But we will be with you following the match against Man City on Monday. Very much looking forward to that. And everyone, hope everyone had a great holiday. Until next time, up the second place Toffees. Toffees.